Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Tony Katz, the morning news. 93 WIBC. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Bunch of stuff to talk about out there. Um, Let's see this. Uh, The writer's strike and Hollywood have tentatively ended uh, their fight. Uh, What I think is so interesting about this, the Writers Guild of America, uh, is I don't think many people care. Um, And I feel like that's got to be eye-opening more for writers and actors who I think are still on strike uh, than anyone else. I don't know what the terms of this deal are. Uh, That's not something that's come out yet. I don't know that I'll pay that close of attention to it, but it'll be interesting to see if the writers got the things they wanted or not. Uh, At some point, would we have cared is the real question you can ask, and the answer to that might be yes, but it it was going to take a while, especially in the world of how media works, how many things um, I think we can do to fill our time if we don't have anything new being pumped out in front of us. So, um, yes, it's interesting to think that even though an agreement was found there, that... For some reason, I don't think it had a, a huge impact uh, throughout this whole process compared to what maybe Hollywood would have had uh, years and years and years ago. And I think beyond maybe just uh, what I'm saying about, um, you know, the amount of entertainment that exists, I think there's a lot of people who also don't really like a lot of the things that Hollywood says and does in the world of politics uh, that make you far less likely to be cheering for them and uh, even paying attention at all. All right. Uh, a couple other things out there. Trump has reacted the poll that shows him beating Biden by over 10 points, Uh, the uh, poll that uh, he put up on social media that a lot of people are sharing was from uh, Washington Washington Post and ABC. Uh, What I think is very interesting about that is that uh, he said, just increased my poll lead. This is Trump on on Truth Social over crooked Joe Biden to 10 points from nine. Well, at least they admitted their mistake, uh, Trump wrote, uh, among other things. This could be the beginning of a giant comeback or what has become known as the lamestream media would also be a big day in America. Trump did also say that he would investigate all of the different uh, media outlets if he were to become president again, uh, including specifically Comcast, who owns NBC and MSNBC, uh, saying how many things are just wrong and biased and how much disinformation or the enemy of the people that he calls them. I think that'd be really interesting, in all honesty, to have a, a deeper dive into exactly how things are done in so many different, say, giant newsrooms throughout the country. Um, Because to me, the most fascinating part about it would be if a whole lot of people just believe the stuff that they say that does feel biased, or if there is that giant, um, you know, uh, network of, say, powerful individuals, pharmaceutical companies, whatever you might uh, think it is, uh, pushing people certain directions, telling them what to do, and then sending the marching orders uh, downward. The only reason I've ever questioned that, and I know anyone that thinks that it's real, will think that I'm a naive 30-something millennial, which I admit, and shake their head and be like, this guy, how does he not know this stuff? Uh, but the reason I, I, I struggle to believe some of that stuff is because I don't think you need to control a lot of individuals today to have them do whatever you want them to do. COVID was one example that really demonstrated that, as sad as it is. 
but also a lot of young people who wind up in valuable jobs in media because a media career is not what it used to be. I think a lot of those young people lean left and a lot of data says they lean left. And so different than maybe past generations, I feel like you don't need as many people behind the curtain telling you what to think because they already overwhelmingly think some things that they don't realize are so far on a side of the aisle because of how social media and everything else is curated too. But I find that fascinating. Whether you want to say that that's the indoctrination working, however it is, I wonder if there was a deeper investigation, not just the MSNBCs, who obviously have a a deep, deep slant that's utterly intentional, but the NBCs, the ABCs of the world that seem unaware of just how slanted some of their information is, or at least claim to be unaware as to how slanted their information is. I, I would like to know how we got to that point. And so I think that'd be a fascinating investigation, even if people would call it a far right Uh, Whatever version of trying to attack the media, it would be uh, something to say the least. All right. One other thing I want to play, and I just find this interesting. Dr. Anthony Fauci uh, popped up on, yep, MSNBC and was asked a question about how threatening Ron DeSantis has been toward him or whatever else uh, was said and how he's been vilified by a lot of conservatives. And the reason I need to play this audio is my favorite thing about any of the back and forth Fauci reaction stuff, whatever it is, has been Fauci's own refusal to admit that he forced himself into all the places he was. He was all over media uh, throughout COVID, not just in front of us um, every once in a while or for a while every single day as far as the press briefing with the former president. But he, he was taking interviews from, I think, anyone that offered them. And he was he was absolutely trying to, for whatever reason, own Uh, The messaging from the White House or from, you know, as he called it, science itself uh, to the American people. And so if you wound up saying stuff that we now are pretty sure uh, you lied about, at the very least, definitely got wrong. That's the byproduct of forcing yourself into that level of of being everywhere, of being, you know, the the messenger of your own independent, um, uh, you know, medical opinion, at the very least, if not. You know, corruptly doing something in the world of a political, political, a specific political slant. But here's how Fauci again said he's a victim. He's just somebody who got attacked and focused on for whatever reason. Who knows why? I have become, by people who know nothing about me, who don't investigate what I've said I've been done, I become the symbol of what the far right extremists feel that. I'm the one who had to, in an uncomfortable way, I wasn't pleased with that, I wasn't happy to do it, that I had to publicly disagree with the president of the United States. That was very painful for me because I have a great deal of respect for the presidency of the United States. But I felt in order to just maintain my own personal and professional integrity and my responsibility to the American public, I had to say it like it was and I had to do it publicly. You you did not have to do the things the way you did them. You were not required to do it. You could have allowed the president to be at the forefront of whatever it was that he wanted to say at the time. And obviously, some of those things that were being said uh, seem to have proven out to be true. And there's a bunch of studies that we could dive into. And I could use all these, you know, valuable ways to demonstrate that masking didn't work like they said it did, et cetera, et cetera. That's not the point. The point that's so fascinating to me is that Fauci not only did that on the national uh, stage through those different briefings, he did it time and again 
interview after interview, day after day, people asking how he has time for as many different media appearances as he had. He put himself in a position to be a focal point of COVID. And if we don't like the way that people handled COVID, it's not surprising. And I don't think it's far right to say that you point to Fauci as one of the bigger people that we're talking about it all the time. That to me is amazing that his fame was chosen and that he seems to even deny that. All right, we'll take a break a lot more in a bit. Greg Collins filling in Tony Katz, the morning news 93 WIBC. Tony Katz, the morning news 93 WIBC. My name is Greg Collins filling in. Jonathan is hanging out or a little Schmitty as he does every single day on this show, not even explaining it. At that time, just going to put it out there. Uh, let me play this. Uh, this is audio of a 911 call that went viral last week. It is um, of a person who watched the F-35 fighter jet pilot parachute into his backyard, uh, the, the plane that disappeared for a little while. And then eventually you hear the fighter jet uh, pilot himself get on the 911 call and say, hey, I, I had my plane go down. Like, it's amazing, especially because there sounds like there's a bunch of skepticism from both the person on the phone and then the 911 operator before this became a giant, huge story. It, it feels like the guy who called 911 after watching someone parachute into his backyard kind of thought that the person was just trying to parachute into his backyard on purpose for some reason. You be the judge. Here we go. Let's play the audio. I guess we got a pilot at our house and he says he got ejected. So he ejected from the plane. So yeah. we just see if we could get some. Ambulance, please. We're getting off on the way. We have a military jet crash. I'm the pilot. We need to get uh, rescue rolling. I'm not sure where the airplane is. It would have crash landed somewhere. I ejected. Has there been a report of an airplane crash? I have not seen any <laughs> um, come up yet. Uh, yeah, there was one. Uh, do you hear that at the end, Jonathan? The the skepticism from the guy who's like, is, is there a report of an airline crash? And then also... The 911 operator who's like, not that I've seen yet, but we're sending people to arrest this guy who parachuted into your backyard. Yeah, you can. He, I think you hear the skepticism more in the operator's voice than the pilot. Yes, but it's yes. just the just knowing what happened now. It's a wild story. I couldn't. Could you imagine being the operator? Like that's got to be the most bizarre call that this person's ever gotten. Right, uh, or even being the guy who watched someone parachute slowly into his backyard. Like, I feel like if you uh, were looking outside and you look up and you see a, a dude, uh, even if he's in military gear, in a parachute, you wonder to yourself, what's going on here? And you don't see the plane anymore because at that point, it's gone and it's crashing somewhere else. So you you don't have any idea. You just see someone land and say, hey, I'm an airline pilot um, of an F-35. I really need your help. Like, I would have also thought for a bit it could have been an insane person. I, I wouldn't blame someone for going that road. Yeah, so is this a joke? Like, is somebody right, yeah, pulling some yeah. kind of prank on me? Am I on punked? <laughs> right, because even the whole story of it, like, no, the F-35, we were inverted, and it's gone, and I had to eject. Like, that part, you got to be like, all right, uh, maybe, uh, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, some other things out there that I saw, I thought this was kind of interesting. Apparently, there's a social media trend where you get on public transport, specifically on, say, a subway of some kind, especially if you're a young woman, um, attractive woman, uh, influencer, and you dance, even though there's a bunch of people on the train with you. It's called Tube Girl. I guess it first went viral in the UK, but now it's becoming a thing a lot more places. 9.6 million views. Um, I am picturing myself 
watching someone who's focused on their phone and not on the world that they're in, the public, dancing like an idiot on public transit while I'm on it, and how annoying that would be for everyone that's not this person who's planning to put this up on social media. Yeah, I just, I don't understand some of this stuff. Um, and my thing is, I, f- I feel like this is something that only, like, women can do. Like, I don't feel like a guy could get away with this. <laughs> sure. Yeah, all. a guy holding his phone pointed at him, dancing on a on a train. Unless he yes, was, like, I- a really good dancer. Like, that's the thing. Like, if it's, like, like a professional dancer doing this, like, sure. that'd be really cool. Like, I would be a fan know. of that. But if it's just, like, yeah. normal people like me, yeah. uh-uh, like, no way. No, like, just- I, I, I love that take and the idea that there's a bunch of stuff right now that, say, attractive uh, women do in public when they're uh, taping themselves for social media that we would not tolerate around dudes doing it the same way. No matter who they I don't care how good of a dancer you are. If I'm on a train and you're doing, like, dancing in the middle of the the aisle way like that's going to annoy the crap out of me and i'm going to want you to stop immediately uh, but you just i do see this a lot uh, the other day i was walking um kind of near um a a uh, a river that i live near and as i'm doing that um i saw a person sitting on the ground leg up in the air taking photos of themselves and it seemed like they were trying to shoot some sort of stylistic version of their shoe in front of a body of water and they were they were just doing it. They were just focused on them doing a very dumb thing, and people were just walking by, ignoring it. Because you're not crazy anymore. You're just a social media person. Yeah, that's I don't know. I think one of my favorite social media accounts that I found on TikTok is this below average looking dude who will film himself doing all these trends that like super attractive women sure. do, and yep. it's the funniest thing. It's also kind of hard to watch sometimes. It's really cringy, but it's it, it's great. <laughs> I bet you it's amazing, and I bet you he gets a lot of complaints in public every time he does stupid stuff in public (laughs) that people don't want him to be doing. All right, we'll take a break. A lot more in a bit. Dominic's got your traffic. Greg Collins filling in on Tony Katz, The Morning News, 93 WIBC. Tony Katz, The Morning News, 93 WIBC. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Tony is back tomorrow. Uh, Let's do this. Let's play an answer that Chuck Schumer gave to CNN when asked about a government shutdown. Uh, He says that it's hell-bent MAGA Republicans on the far right who are the only ones who want to see this government get shut down, and uh, we need to stop them at all costs, or something like that. Here we go. Well, I've never seen a group that is as hell-bent on a shutdown as these crazy MAGA Republicans, that small group. But I am still hopeful. I am still optimistic that once the Senate acts in a bipartisan, adult, mature, and way that cares about the American people and what they'd be through, that maybe the House will follow our example. I know that Leader Jeffries, the Democratic leader, is ready to work with Speaker McCarthy. I'm going to stop it right there. I can play more stuff because he goes on about how Speaker McCarthy needs to look in the eye of every single Republican uh, that's telling him they don't like how he's uh, handling his job or they don't like how he's uh, failing to live up to the expectations uh, they had for him and tell them, how dare you shut down the government? Uh, The part that's most interesting to me about what Schumer says is that part in the middle where he says what the American people would be through. And the biggest reason why is, and this is just a genuine question to you, to anyone out there, should a government shutdown impact our lives as much as they claim it will impact our lives? The answer is no. And a lot of people probably wouldn't notice if the government was shut down for a small amount of time. Uh, That's not something that would, I think, uh, be a, a giant life issue for you, for me, for most people. 
But the premise that it would, that it would uh, upend our economy, that it would uh, crash and crater all these certain things is the biggest advocacy I've ever heard for shutting the government down. What I mean by that is finding all the tentacles, all the places where this uh, reach by our government goes because we don't want it to be this important, uh, this impactful, this significant to so much that is not supposed to be tied to our government. So I think the most fascinating argument anyone can make is we couldn't possibly do this because it would have uh, dire consequences. Why? Why would it have dire consequences? And of course, I, I know a lot of us are yelling certain answers at the radio there, uh, but I think that that's as good of a reason as any to try to reset whatever the system, and I know that that hasn't worked before, that you do shut down the government, that the policies don't change enough, that business as usual takes over at some point in Washington, and that is a shame, uh, because one other thing that is not far right, that is not MAGA or whatever you want to call it, that most Americans agree with, and polls show this time and again, Washington isn't doing stuff that's in our best interest. The rich men north of Richmond are handling their jobs very, very poorly, and they're doing it in a way that's almost egregious at this point. It's almost blatantly in the face of most Americans calling uh, the um, you know Anti-Inflation Act what you did, and then knowing that it has no impact on inflation. And the president even admitted that somewhat recently when he said it's misnamed. That's politics as usual. That's the crap that annoys all of us. And the reason that more people, not just far right, should actually support the idea of the government shutting itself down uh, or being forced to deal with all the versions of things that we have to deal with every single day because of their decisions, because of their um, willingness to rubber stamp whatever it is they feel like they're rubber stamping and hide all of the things we would hate within all of these bills that they pass. That is not, to me, a far um, uh, onto a side ideology. And telling you that it is, and telling you that shutting down the government is horrifically bad for you and for me, demonstrates the desire, the need, or the reality that the government is far too big already. I think that's a simple message that most people could take from the way in which media and Democrats talk about this. Because the other thing that's true is politicians only do their job when they absolutely have to, when the budget is about to be you know, passed or when anything else is, a, is about to hit its deadline. That's the only time you hear the politicians showing up and doing their job in a way that they probably should have been working on uh, quite a bit sooner. All right, one last thing I want to play, and then I'll take a break. I just find this uh, pretty interesting. NBC did a, a big uh, teardown and some MSNBC political analysts of the latest poll that shows Trump crushing Biden. It actually shows a lot of Republicans uh, beating Biden. And I, I just love how, how surprised they sound to be as they're diving into this data and it's showing worse and worse things. Uh, because as I've said before, this is the biggest reason that if Hunter Biden only takes down Joe Biden, if that relationship or that uh, sort of obvious to so many uh, version of wrongdoing uh, becomes a, a proved reality and an impeachment actually became a thing that even the Senate would accept, uh, you're only doing away with someone that is deeply unpopular. Wanting Biden to stay the candidate throughout the entirety of the presidential campaign is actually somewhat of a strategic move, I think, by a lot of Republicans, or at least it could be, because he's tremendously beatable. Not saying that the Democrats seem to have anybody on the bench that's better, certainly not the vice president. But here, here's how they talk about just how significantly bad these numbers are 
for Democrats in the upcoming election. But obviously, the fact that the president is struggling this much against every Republican we put him up against raises the question, where is that coming yeah. from? The most obvious answer is just this is simple question of job approval, barely 40 percent approve of Joe Biden's performance. And we have to note 56 percent. That's the highest disapproval rating for President Biden since he took office. That's significant. Yeah. So let's take a look at what's driving that, okay. too, here in one big area. No surprise. It is the economy. Look at this contrast. No this is April of 21, months after Biden took office. Nearly half the country was satisfied with where the economy was then. Now, barely one in four Americans satisfied with the economy. There's also this. We found an enthusiasm gap between the two parties. We Shocking. They found an enthusiasm gap between the two parties. Yes, Democrats, Democrats are far less enthusiastic about their candidate than Republicans are. Uh, the data on the economy itself is my favorite because this administration will tell you that the economy was in shambles uh, before they took office and that they did everything they could to fix it over the last couple of years. And they've had tremendous success. And how dare you not see it, even though inflation has caused people to be very dissatisfied uh, with the world we live in right now and with the uh, uh, you know amount that our dollar goes in any scenario whatsoever. But 48 percent, 50 percent of people in April of 2021 were satisfied with the economy just uh, two or three months after Biden takes office. And that is the most glaring, the most telling, because the economy wasn't doing great uh, then, but it certainly feels far better than it does right now. These are winning messages. This is an easy campaign. Uh, one last thing. You know what? I'll throw this out there, too, and then I'll actually take the break. Uh, George Santos, uh, the uh, um, embattled politician himself, uh, came out in defense of Bob Menendez. If you're Bob Menendez, you probably don't feel great that it's Santos who's saying innocent till proven guilty. He gets the opportunity to defend himself. Uh, the New Jersey Senator Menendez has been uh, accused of corruption before. Uh, now it looks like he's definitely he definitely was working with the government of Egypt. Uh, he definitely was helping some of his friends and, and it seems uh, pretty illicit people in Jersey. And then he actually also had gold bars, three gold bars estimated to be worth one hundred thousand dollars and four hundred eighty thousand dollars stuffed in his pockets in cash just throughout his home. That's a guy that's corrupt. To most people, that's a guy that's likely to be found guilty. I know innocent until proven guilty, but it's Santos who's coming out and trying to throw that um, support across the aisle. And I find that hilarious. And again, even Menendez probably doesn't want it. All right, I'll take a break. A lot more in a bit. Craig Collins filling in. Tony Katz in the Morning News, 93 WIBC. Tony Katz, The Morning News, 93 WIBC. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Tony is back tomorrow. Jonathan hanging out as he does every single morning on this show. I'm assuming Tony's going to ask you questions tomorrow about Little Schmitty. I'm very excited about that. I want the audio at some point, Jonathan, from whatever that conversation is. And if it doesn't happen uh, at some point, uh, you'll debut your rapper, I think, for all of uh, <laughs> 93's audience. Yes, no? Maybe at some point, if... Okay. If, if Tony was to ask me to do it, I would. I would probably. I would oh, probably do it. There we go. I'm sending him an email right now. Okay. Um, some good. other thing. <laughs> some other things out there in the world. Uh, you sent me this story. Anti ghosting is a thing. It's described in a uh, post on social media, and then a, a couple different, um, you know, outlets uh, talked about it. What is anti ghosting, first man, and why is it important? Okay. So when I saw this, very rarely is there a term that I read, and I'm just like, I have no idea what this means. <laughs> And so I'm sitting, so I, I click on the article, I, st I start reading it, 
And it is literally just being a decent person. So if you're, you know, talking to somebody or dating somebody, you know, ghosting is when people just leave with like no explanation. They just kind of cut you off. Mm Anti-ghosting is the opposite where people are nice enough to be like, hey, I don't want to see you anymore. So that is that is called being polite where I'm from. Um, Yeah, yeah, it's just just the whole term. It's just, being mature, being honest. Uh, if you're in a relationship or if you're gone out on a few dates with somebody and you don't want to just leave them completely confused with why everything all of a sudden stopped, or you just ignore them. I totally agree with you. It's just being a good person. I did enjoy some of the examples in this article of things you should say. Uh, you seem chill, but it looks like we're looking for different things. I hope you're uh, looking for, or I hope you find someone that you're looking for, but it's not me. Or I'm getting a friend vibe. You feeling a friend vibe? Those things. Oh, the whatever zone. it is. Golly, that's the worst. <laughs> whatever it is, I do think that's better than the you know uh, absolutely just cutting things off. I do wonder if anybody who sends the anti-ghosting message also sends the 2 a.m. you up at some point in the future because I feel like keeping that connection going uh, in this world might be somewhat because you never really know. Uh, but I, you know, that's not anti-ghosting. That's something very different. It is. Um, Another thing out there that I saw that uh, you saw and you liked as well was the uh, jobs that people get that um, are more likely than not to get them right swiped on or matched on a dating app. Yeah. Uh, these include tech jobs, healthcare, education. What do you want to say about that? Do you know what's not included on that list? Radio. Conservative talk producer. <laughs> <It's-> <laughs> well, you're already married, though. You're good. I am. This is true. Yeah. If I had... Yeah. Yeah, this wasn't an obstacle for me, thankfully. But even just, <laughs> I'm kind of curious for you, like when you interact with people and they ask you, you know, what do you do for a living? As soon yeah. as you say, I'm a conservative talk radio host, yeah. do things just, I don't know, for me, things get political really quickly, especially well, with people my age. Yeah, well, I mean, it's funny because you're a Gen Z, I'm a millennial, and uh, yes, there's a lot of people that react a certain way. My One of my favorite ones was my wife and I were sitting at dinner with some people that I've known since I was much younger, since high school. Uh, that don't have the same political beliefs that I do and, you know, kind of know what I do for a living. And as I was talking to them about some of radio, uh, the thing that they were most mystified at is that you can still make a decent living in this industry because they were acting like radio is a thing that I guess they don't listen to all that much. And I think I get that more than anything else from young people is the, wait a minute, radio is still like a, a viable way to to put food on the table. And I'm like, yes, it, it happens to be. It's, it's, it's still a thing. It's an industry. You should check it out. And I feel like they do listen to it. They just aren't aware uh, as much as anyone else is of it. I don't know why radio has that, you know, um, that roadblock, though, especially with very young people uh, where they just think of all of it as podcasting. Yeah, I think that's why there's the roadblock, because I know like most of my friends, like they don't listen to the radio. They listen to podcasts. Right. But a lot of podcasts are just radio shows. So basically, yes. And sometimes much, much worse versions of radio shows. (laughs) Uh, Another thing out there that you saw that you liked a lot was the. Um, uh, the mommy issues that guys are now talking about in social media. Okay. Uh, the way that a psychologist talked about this is just issues you have from your upbringing, from your parents. Uh, women talk about daddy issues all the time. Apparently, it's been a more common thing recently for dudes to talk about their quote-unquote mommy issues. That feels weird to say because I do just think it's it's your upbringing issues. But what do you want to say about that? It does. But the interesting thing is they've got like an interview with Alec Baldwin's wife. Yes. who is much younger than Alec Baldwin. And she's talking yeah. about his mommy issues, which is just, and like how she has to take care of him. It's like, well, right. 
you know, and he honestly, is way older right than you now, are. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, right now, Alec Baldwin's not a guy I want much advice from or, or much uh, uh, try to similar behavior sort of stuff. So that's that's a weird example to pick for sure by this uh, this article. All right, thanks, Jonathan, for everything. We're out of here.